This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Step on Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to our monthly fiction segment. Uh, it is ongoing. Yes, it is. We are currently on chapter seven of Terminus, uh, which I wrote as part of NaNoWriMo in 2010. I did not edit this. So you're getting kind of like a the flow of what I did. And we're going to have discussions about why I wrote it because I'm very curious about it. <laughs> but yes, I, I again, I've never had kids. So I'm kind of like, oh, this is interesting to me that this is what came out of your brain. But uh, yes, it is. If this isn't your thing, I totally get it. Christina does amazing work with it, though. So hope you're enjoying it. We are on Chapter 7. I will say, The Last of Us just came out. And you should watch it if you have any interest. This is a very similar story. I did write this before The Last of Us came out, but it's not like it's a super, like, people have done that before. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I often call it, like, The Last of Us meets Children of Men. Meets Handmaid's Tale. So super fun. Uh, speaking of, this one <laughs> has a content warning, uh, miscarriage and child death. Very, I seriously, it made me kind of tear up when I was reading it. So just so you know, that is in here. Uh, stigma around sex and infertility, uh, viruses, a pandemic, a lack of control over your own body, uh, injury and healing, suicidal ideation, self-loathing, and internalized ableism around disease. Uh, so I, I try to be very cognizant of what content warnings, and I will say a lot of those like are discussed, they're not discussed in depth, but I just want to be very careful. I want you to have a good time and your mental health is important to us. So <laughs> yes. And as I've said several times, I know that like this is coming out at perhaps the worst time for some people, but if perhaps you're like me and for some reason... Well, I know why, but it's cathartic for me. So I get it if it's not, though. I 1,000% get it if it's not. 
Uh, this one is kind of a longer chapter, so we're just going to do a recap and get into it. It's longer, but it's sort of a like setting stage uh, chapter. Um, but for a very quick recap, uh, the world is ending due to a sex-based virus that is decimating the population. And because of this, any child uh, who is born is under the jurisdiction of the Board of Better Parenting and a religious organization called ARM that is very closely related to the government called the state. Um, and this religious organization believes that the virus is due to the sinful nature of humanity. It's kind of a punishment. Um, after giving birth to a child outside of a conception center, legally, Tilda, the main character, runs away with her son Madison in order to keep them from forced separation. Several years later, she and Madison are facing very grim circumstances. Uh, winter is coming, their clothes are thin, supplies are dwindling, and in their desperation, they were captured by the government's enforcers uh, who were seeking to capture a priority number one case, as they are called. However, Tilda and Madison escape, but not before Tilda is shot. And after fleeing and abandoning their stolen car, Tilda has passed out in the street with Madison calling her name. And that is where we are. So let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Weighted darkness anchored Tilda, restorative and protective. She could almost feel her body repairing itself. She had the vague sense of being rebuilt. She lost all concepts of time. She dug herself out of the black few times, catching images and feelings between blinks. Madison staring at her, inches from her face, watchful and worried, fingers twisted. An older woman with fading brown hair, a wrinkled face, pastel colors leading him from the room. 
a ripple of anxiety she was too exhausted to feel properly. The overwhelming need to sleep. A painful itching eating at her calf. Sinking, sinking, sinking. Breathing deeply for the first time in years. Being comfortable and warm. Sensations almost foreign to her now. A true luxury. A bed. She was in a bed. But darkness dragged her down again, wrapping warm tendrils around her before she could fathom what that meant. She had fuzzy dreams of mice and elephants, and she wasn't sure which one was scared of the other. Blinking, she slipped into consciousness as gently as a dolphin breaching the ocean's surface. Madison curled into her side, nestled under the covers, breathing even. Her eyes closed again. Awareness came to Tilda slowly. So long had she been away from it, she had trouble recognizing it at first. Her brain struggled to process the softly lit room she resided in, with warm beige walls and furniture that wasn't overturned. And that bed, fluffy and soft and warm, the pillow beneath her head comfortable enough to almost lull her back into oblivion. But Madison wasn't there and she didn't know where he was. That gave her strength enough to combat the exhaustion. Though it required a ridiculous amount of willpower, she pushed herself into a sitting position. She took a deep breath, disentangling herself from white sheets and covers with fingers that felt thick and clunky. Her legs swept over the edge of the bed and dangled, hovering over the carpeted floor. A thick white bandage adorned her left calf. She flexed the muscle experimentally and felt only the briefest answering pain. Where was she? What had happened? She lowered her bare feet to the floor. It was soft and plushy. Someone had changed her clothes, her ratty coat replaced with an overlarge gray shirt and faded blue drawstring shorts hanging around her waist. Tilda swayed to her feet, almost drunk in her drowsiness. Stumbling steps had her collapsing against the doorframe, clinging to it to hold her upright. She paused, breathing deeply, willing her weak muscles to cooperate. Slowly, some semblance of strength returned to her limbs, and she released the doorframe. Using her hands to support herself against the wall, she tottered down the hall, heading toward the sound of voices. Pictures caught her fingers as she skimmed them along the wall for balance, smiling faces peering at her as she made her unsteady procession. She passed a working lamp, almost knocking it over as she gaped at it. Madison giggled, his young, small voice lilting with joy and wonder. Unease and fear bubbled in Tilda's stomach, her faulty steps becoming surer and faster, the hall opened, branching into a kitchen and dining area directly in front of her and a sitting room to her right. Sunlight streamed through the many windows. A woman murmured something and Madison laughed again. Tilda turned toward the sitting room and the source of the voices. The woman with graying brown hair sat in a lavender armchair, Madison sitting on her lap, holding a book in his hands. She had glasses and a kind smile, but Tilda felt fear and anger and a sort of jealousy spring to life inside of her, the intensity of them dampened by exhaustion. Gawking at the bizarre scene before her, she entered the room, dreamlike. Tilda! Madison slid off the woman's lap and barreled towards her, almost knocking her down with the force of his hug. Tilda slid an arm behind his shoulders, stroking his hair with her other hand, but she kept her gaze on the woman, a potential threat. You're awake, Madison exclaimed. You slept a long time. His voice held a mixture of something like chastisement and worry. She smiled down at him. The woman rose from the chair and Tilda snapped her eyes up again. How long did I sleep? She kept the question light, playing into Madison's attempt to reprimand her. Days. 
he answered solemnly, releasing his grip and looking up at her. Two days to be exact, the woman clarified. I imagine you have many questions, but we should really get some food and water in your system. Tilda kept a hand on Madison's shoulder as she approached them. I'm Lynn. She introduced herself warmly, extending her hand. Tilda hesitated before taking it, still suspicious. When Tilda did not respond in kind, Lynn filled in for her. And you must be the amazing Tilda. Madison has nothing but praise for you, dear. They dropped hands, Lynn moving past them and into the kitchen. Come, sit down. How are you feeling? When Tilda wavered with indecision about whether to follow Lynn or take Madison and bolt out the door, the child grabbed her hand, leading her into the dining area and pulling a chair out for her. In a daze, she sat. Better, she responded. My leg is, um, a lot better. Did you... Her conversation skills were extremely lacking. She tried to recall the last person she'd spoken to outside of Madison. Despite the borderline inarticulate question, Lynn derived the meaning. I was a doctor. I'm retired now, um, but I still make house calls occasionally. I removed the bullet and stitched the wound. The antibiotic cream I applied should speed the healing process up. Um, Good as new in a few days. Tilda digested that, hardly daring to believe it, as Lynn clanged about pots and pans and switched on the burners. You have electricity. Yes, Topeka still has power. There are a decent number of us here. Lynn, do you need any help? Tilda had to fight to keep herself from holding the child in her arms to prevent him from moving. To her relief, Lynn declined his offer. Oh, no, thank you, dear. Take a seat next to your mother, sweetheart. Tilda's heart swooped at the word mother. Madison scraped a chair across the floor next to her, clambering into it and propping his hands on the table, regarding Tilda with such an adult expression on his young face that she almost laughed. But Lynn's next query demanded all her attention. How does scrambled eggs, toast, she hemmed, moving things around in the refrigerator, sliced apples and sautéed vegetables sound? Tilda blinked rapidly as her stomach cramped, salivating at the mere thought of all that food. She cleared her throat. Um, good. Yeah, that sounds really... You have all that? Lynn laughed. Of course. She placed glasses of water in front of Tilda and Madison. There are a few farmers left, still growing things, just to be growing them. Every week they all get together at the square a few blocks away, and we trade goods, services, but they enjoy it, you know. Not much else to do. I've got a garden of my own out back. Now drink up. Tilda took careful sips of water, knowing from experience to take it slowly. Once when they'd found water after days of low supplies, she'd drink it quickly enough to make herself sick. Her throat was parched, and the liquid felt cool, soothing. Madison mimicked her, his eyes on Tilda as he drank, while Tilda's eyes were fixated on Lynn as she whisked together the eggs and poured the mixture into a pan. She popped a few slices of buttered bread into the toaster and started cutting up the vegetables and fruit. The delicious aroma of cooking food filled the air. Tilda couldn't remember ever smelling something so magnificent. Bread? she asked. Oh, I make it. Dan Mosgrove down the street makes the flour. Tilda had so many questions she had difficulty choosing one. She settled on clothes. Apparently she could only pose one-word questions. Lynn did not answer immediately. For the first time, Tilda realized Madison was outfitted in a new shirt and jacket with jeans. They were a tad on the large side, making him appear even smaller, but they fit relatively well. 
I couldn't leave you in those rags. Most of the clothes in the stores and malls have been redistributed to makeshift shops and all the neighborhoods that still have people in them. I picked some things up for the two of you. And don't worry, it's unsupervised. No point in stealing them, really. So I didn't draw any attention. I changed you into those, but don't worry, dear. Nothing I haven't seen before. Stomach growling loudly, Tilda asked the question she should have asked in the beginning. What happened? The toaster binged. Lynn deftly removed the toast, sliding it onto a plate and setting it on the table, followed by a bowl of apple slices. It was all Tilda could do to keep from snatching the piece of warm bread, almost choking on her massive first bite. The bread melted in her mouth, in that moment the best thing she'd ever tasted. Madison took an apple slice, nibbling at it, before grabbing some toast for himself. Lynn returned with three plates of scrambled eggs and sautéed vegetables, handing each person a fork. While Tilda sampled everything, oddly ravenous and almost full at the same time, Lynn joined them, taking a bite of eggs before she replied, I heard Madison screaming. You collapsed down the road from my house, you know. I saw the blood and I knew we needed to get you treatment. With Madison's help, she gave him a smile and a wink, we were able to get you inside. I cleaned the wound and stitched it up. You were semi-conscious for a few minutes and that's when I changed your clothes and got you into bed. You lost a lot of blood. That's why you slept so long. Your body needed to replenish and recover. That and flat-out exhaustion, I wager. Tilda chewed thoughtfully, not quite grasping one main aspect. Why? Lynn straightened her glasses. Why what, dear? Why help us? A frown marred the older woman's features. How could I ignore a screaming child and an injured woman? What sort of doctor would I be if I could do such a thing like that? What sort of person, for that matter? Madison swung his legs absentmindedly, riveted by Lynn's answer. A jolt of understanding shook Tilda's core, and she gasped aloud with the power of it. Madison had never had much interaction with other people. He only had Tilda and the enforcers to form his view on humanity. She'd spoken about her parents on a few instances, but other than that, for all he knew, everyone else in the world was out to get them. He stared at Lynn as though she were some sort of angel. Tilda cleared her throat, savoring the sweetness of the apple. She paused, searching for the best way to phrase her next question, but couldn't conjure anything better than, are there many enforcers here? Lynn's gaze flitted to Madison before she shared a look with Tilda over the boy's head. I saw a few yesterday. In general, they leave us alone out here, so it is a bit strange. Tilda could see Lynn knew the enforcers were looking for her and Madison. They won't find us, will they? His small voice piped up. Lynn flashed him a tender smile, rubbing his shoulder. Of course not, honey. You're safe here. Madison smiled back at Lynn and Tilda felt another wave of jealousy and inadequacy. This woman was a mother. She knew what to do. Are we? Tilda knew Lynn would hear her underlying question. Was she going to turn them in? Lynn leveled her dark brown eyes with Tilda's, firm and sincere. Yes, you are. Tilda held her gaze for several seconds, Madison glancing curiously at each of them in turn before Tilda nodded. Lynn's got books, Madison interjected, light dancing in his eyes. She's been letting me read. Has she? Tilda's grin may have resembled a grimace as she pictured Madison, cozy and secure on Lynn's lap, exposed to how a mother should be for the first time in his life. Maybe now he would recognize Tilda for what she was, a fake. 
He nodded enthusiastically and Lynn chuckled. And quite a reader you are. I haven't had much practice, he admitted ruefully, but I'm getting better. And she let me color too. She ruffled his hair fondly. That's great, Mouse. Lynn fixed her with an assessing eye. Your color's improving, but you still look rather pale. We should get you back to bed. What time is it? Tilda asked, exhaustion creeping back into her bones. Afternoon. Lynn gathered their dishes and placed them in the sink. Come on, let's go talk in the sitting room. Madison hopped off his chair and charged down the hall, grabbing a coloring book and some crayons and flinging himself onto the carpet. He started scribbling before the pages had even settled open. Tilda shot Lynn a quizzical look. They were for my son, Lynn answered her unasked question. She pointed at a green armchair, reclaiming her own seat in the purple one opposite. Now that she was well-fed for the first time in who knows how long, a generally pleasant feeling, but her stomach felt a little heavy and uneasy, the rest of her body was aching, demanding her attention. Her calf pulsed dully as she almost fell into the chair. There's a blanket on the back there, Lynn pointed behind Tilda's head, and Tilda tugged at the burgundy throw from where it was draped over the chair's back and pulled it over her legs, tired and a little feverish. Just a short talk then, Lynn said. You could do some more rest. Madison looked up at that, eyes narrowed and forehead wrinkling in worry. She'll be fine, Lynn assured him quickly, something almost reverent in her gaze. Tilda's breath caught in her throat. Precious, isn't he? Madison blushed at Lynn's question. That was more of a statement, decking his head closer to his coloring book. Tilda's nod of agreement was almost indiscernible. She pushed her lips together, arms cold without Madison in them. She clenched and unclenched her hands in a parody of Madison's nervous habit of twisting his fingers. Lynn continued, I'd almost forgotten how wonderful it is to have a child around. It's so rare to see one these days. Her voice turned melancholy as she watched Madison scribbling. Fact, I can't remember the last time I saw one. Tilda almost missed the sores marring Lynn's face, the pale pinkish-white spots blending in with her skin. HSV-5 sores were becoming almost like a natural part of the human makeup, freckles and moles that everyone had. It threw her more to see someone without them. Unaccountably nervous that Lynn would steal Madison from her, or that Madison would prefer to stay with Lynn rather than travel, hungry and cold, with her, and burdened with the responsibility of not only raising a child, but one of the few left, Tilda strove to change the subject. You have a son? I had one. Lynn leaned back, her voice full of tired grief. But he was stillborn. Tilda's heart dropped at that. She apologized tentatively, but Lynn waved it away. It was cruel. I didn't want to go to a conception center. I could hardly believe it at first, that I was pregnant. I thought I could handle it as a doctor. My husband helped me. He was a doctor as well. We were so careful to keep it hidden, using old equipment we'd taken from abandoned hospitals for checkups. When we found out it was a boy, I started to pick things out for him. Tiny little clothes, toys, shoes. A ghost of a grin tugged at her lips. I had to be discreet, but I couldn't help myself. She stopped. Both her and Tilda watched Madison as Lynn's story unfolded, almost mesmerized by a living, breathing child. I don't know what happened. The last checkup was fine, but something went wrong during labor. She didn't elaborate, but it didn't matter. The child was born dead, and details didn't change that. Lynn swallowed, her voice thicker as she remembered. My husband was never the same. He blamed himself, I think, that he messed up the delivery. 
I have to admit, I do often wonder if we'd gone to a conception facility. She trailed off, her eyes far away. But we can't change these things. And we knew we couldn't try again. He just faded away, died in his sleep. Madison looked up at her, his face so innocent, so open. Tilda opened her mouth to make an apology again, but found there was none she could make. It's a hard world we live in. Lynn smiled feebly at Madison, motioning for him to return to his coloring book. It's nice to be reminded that there are still things in, in this world worth fighting for, or saving. What's a conception center? Madison asked guilelessly. Lynn slid her eyes over to Tilda before answering. It's a place where babies go to be born. Oh. He bit his lip before picking up his line of questioning. Why didn't you want your baby born there? Tilda had never explained much about the state or conception centers to Madison. She kept telling herself she would, but she put it off, never able to find the right words, always wanting to spare him. All he knew was that a disease had cut down the population and that the enforcers would separate them if they were caught and make it so they could never see each other again. If Flynn was thrown, she hid it well. I was worried they'd take my baby from me. Who? The enforcers? Yes, dear. And the state. State? He parroted, twisting his neck to look back at Tilda. Government. You know when we hear those broadcasts that come on the radio, the voices? Madison nodded. That's the president of the state. Or the leader of ARM, the religious advisor to the president. At the child's furrowed brow, she smiled weakly. It's complicated. He turned his attention back to Lynn. Why would they take your baby? Because they're afraid of HSV-5. You know about the disease? Madison nodded solemnly. They think if they can keep all the babies safe, they can keep things going. That they know better how to raise a child. But they don't always, do they? The child nodded again, glancing over to Tilda, who found she couldn't hold his trusting gaze, guilt almost making her squirm. Lynn knew how to raise a child, but Tilda didn't have a clue. How is it fair that Lynn's child should die during birth, while novice Nohan, undeserving Tilda, got such a beautiful child as Madison? Was I born there? In a con conception center? Tilda shook her head yes, and Madison asked, Is that why they are looking for us? Because you wouldn't let them take me away from you? Tilda gave a final nod, scrubbing at her eyes and horrified to find tears stinging at them. A gentle hand on her shoulder made her jump. Madison stood in front of her, genuine concern on his face. She tried to give him a reassuring smile, but her face crumpled instead. Madison crawled onto her lap, hugging her around the middle. She couldn't stop a tear from spilling out the corner of her eye, sliding down her cheek and dripping into the boy's mousy brown hair. Soft. It had been washed. Lynn murmured, let's get you back to bed. We'll talk more when you wake up. Madison made no move to get out of Tilda's lap. Lynn tapped him on the shoulder, clucking. He reinforced his grip around Tilda, curling into a tighter ball. Laughing, Lynn told Tilda, I couldn't keep him away from you. I'd put him to sleep in his own bed at night, and I'd find him in yours the next morning. Come on now, sweetheart. We gotta get your mom to bed so we can get her well again. Another twist in her gut at that title. Madison reluctantly released her, and Lynn ushered him back, helping Tilda out of the chair and down the hall. Her skin crawled, and she suddenly felt unbearably filthy, like everyone could see how dirty she was. 
She could scrub and scrub and scrub and never be clean again. Can I... Do you mind if I take a shower? She forced out quietly. Of course, Lynn assured her. Just through here. Across the hall from the room Tilda had woken up in was a modest bathroom, but any bathroom with working water was a marvel to Tilda. Lynn pulled out a towel, shooing a Madison hovering at the doorway away. Adorable little thing, Lynn said under her breath. What about the enforcers? Tilda asked quietly, leaning against the sink. I'm not going to turn you into them if that's what you mean. Tilda lowered her voice. They'll come looking for us. They won't find you here. Lynn matched Tilda's hushed tone. Tilda shook her head. You don't know them. They won't stop until they find us. They'll have to come door to door. They will, Tilda said confidently, knowing she sounded paranoid, but also knowing it was the truth. Then I will hide you. But right now, you don't need to worry. A shower, some sleep. Then we'll talk about it, all right? I'll keep Madison entertained. Another tear escaped at that, but Tilda nodded. Lynn gave her a brief hug. It'll be all right. For a fleeting moment, Tilda felt wiser than Lynn. Lynn, who thought it would be okay, who thought she could hide two wanted fugitives from enforcers. But then shame flooded Tilda's senses and she succumbed to the embrace, imagining it was her own mother's arms around her. Lynn pulled back with a bracing look on her face. It's very simple to work, dear. Tilda blinked before realizing they were talking about the shower. Just turn on the faucet, pull the lever there, and that's it. The warm water doesn't last very long, so be efficient with your time and be careful of your injury. I'll rewrap it when you're done, all right? Tilda nodded and Lynn shuffled out with a parting call if you need anything. The door closed behind her, leaving Tilda alone. For a long moment, Tilda leaned against the sink, blinking back tears, fighting for control. With a shuddering breath, she limped toward the shower, glancing worriedly at the deep tub. The faucet turned easily, and Tilda tested the temperature of the water with her fingers before she pulled the small lever of the handle, warm water spraying from the nozzle. Tilda pulled the bandage from her calf, finding the puffy pink wound a much better sight than the angry red wheel she had been expecting. She carefully negotiated her way into the tub, the warm water soothing against her skin. She could feel her muscles relaxing, melting under the cascade. It felt so good simply standing under the faucet with her eyes closed. She almost forgot Lynn's warning about the hot water. She worked the dirt and grime out of her hair with her fingers, scrubbing at her skin with the ivory bar of soap. But no matter how hard she worked, she couldn't wash away the crawling feeling under her skin, the filth underneath the flesh, the virus in her blood. The water turned cold until the switched it off, defeated. She stood dripping, shivering before she snatched the towel from where it was draped over the top of the shower door and dried herself off. Her clothes stuck to her still damp skin as she tugged them on, but she took little notice. Her hand slipped on the doorknob, slick with condensation, before she yanked it open, whacking herself on the hip. She bent over, momentarily stunned by the pain. Lynn was there, a gentle hand on her shoulder blade, guiding her across the hall to her bedroom and to the bed, where she collapsed gracelessly. The woman helped her roll over on her back, out of the corner of her eye, Tilda could see Madison entering the room cautiously. Lynn started bandaging her leg with a warm but firm pressure. A moan escaped Tilda's lips at the sudden pain that spiked through the heavy blanket of sleepiness that had settled over her. Madison, now at the edge of the bed, his face obscured from the nose down, whimpered softly in dismay at her distress. Shush now, she'll be all right. 
Tilda extended the fingers on her right hand from where it rested near her hip. Mass and grasped them, and the bed dipped as he climbed up onto it. Lynn said something, but it was lost in the fog. Tilda wanted everything to fall away. She didn't want this life, could no longer bear how it felt and what it meant. She was barely aware of Lynn pulling the covers around her before sleep claimed her once again. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And that brings us to the end of Chapter 7 of Terminus. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it had some kind of heavy things in it, um, but I hope you enjoyed it. It's something we have talked about several times, but we've been meaning to do a full episode on is how in things like this and things like horror and thrillers and things like The Last of Us, the sort of child loss, the child death is such like a pivotal thing that sets the story in motion. Um, which isn't necessarily the the case with this new character, Lynn, that I introduced in this chapter, whom I love. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, it is, it is very prevalent in our media. Um, and it is very painful thing. Yeah, so we have been meaning to come back and talk about that. Um, and I, I mean, I think there are a couple of reasons that are very obvious why that's used in a lot of our media, but we're planning on digging into it. Also, this jealousy that kind of pops up in this chapter of like the better mother, who you believe is the better mother, who's the better caretaker, and feeling really inadequate about that. Because I mean, that's like Tilda's whole insecurity is that she feels extremely inadequate 
uh, to have made this huge choice and doesn't feel like she's taking care of Madison and then sees Lynn with Madison uh, and feels jealous and like Madison will realize in her mind what a terrible job she's done or what a terrible mother she is. There's also, yeah, these kind of themes of uh, depression and wanting to disappear in this one, which, yeah, it it was, I seriously, I haven't read this in a while. Like, I I did go over it several times when I first wrote it, and I was like, maybe I could get this published one day. And then I haven't read it since then, but I was like, (laughs) (laughs) when you were writing this, you were wrestling with some stuff. But yeah, and, and a lot of these things we're going to come back and talk to. Like I said, this is a bit of a longer chapter, so uh, I'm not going to get into it right now. And it's going to be recurring of her trying to grapple with these things, these heavy things, and how to survive in this quite bleak world. Um, but there were also some happy things in this chapter. So, you know, it's not all bad. <laughs> uh, So, yes, look out for uh, Chapter 8 in the coming month. But in the meantime, I've loved hearing from you all about this. Or if you have any recommendations for other fiction we could do, we do enjoy doing these. Um, You can send those our way. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Ah, the best. The absolute best. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff One Never Told is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.